Chapter nineteen of Rural Rides. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Rural Rides by William Cobbett. Chapter nineteen. Ride from Berkeley to Petersfield. Hurstbourne Tarrant, or up husband. Monday, seventh November, eighteen twenty five. We came off from Berkeley yesterday afternoon, crossing Lord Carnarvon's Park going out of it on the west side of Beacon Hill, and sloping away to our right, over the downs, towards Woodcote. The afternoon was singularly beautiful. The downs, even the poorest of them, are perfectly green. The sheep on the downs look, this year, like fatting sheep. We came through a fine flock of ewes, and looking round us we saw all at once seven flocks on different parts of the downs, each flock on an average containing at least five hundred sheep. It is about six miles from Berkeley to this place, and we made it about twelve, not in order to avoid the turnpike road, but because we do not ride about to see turnpike roads, and, moreover, because I had seen this most monstrously hilly turnpike road before. We came through a village called Woodcote, and another called Binley. I never saw any inhabited places more recluse than these. Yet into these the all-searching eye of the taxing thing reaches, its excise-man can tell it what is doing, even in the little odd corner of Binley. For even there, I saw, over the door of a place not half so good as the place in which my fowls roost, licensed to deal in tea and tobacco. Poor half-starved wretches of Binley! The hand of taxation, the collection for the sinecures and pensions, must fix its nails even in them, who really appeared too miserable to be called by the name of people. Yet there was one whom the taxing thing had licensed, good God, licensed, to serve out catlap to these wretched creatures. And our impudent and ignorant newspaper scribes talk of the degraded state of the people of Spain. Impudent impostors! Can they show a group so wretched, so miserable, so truly enslaved as this, in all Spain? No. And those of them who are not sheer fools know it well but there would have been misery equal to this in Spain, if the Jews and jobbers could have carried the bond scheme into effect. The people of Spain were, through the instrumentality of patriot loan-makers, within an inch of being made as enlightened as the poor starving things of Binley. They would soon have had people licensed to make them pay the Jews for permission to chew tobacco, or to have a light in their dreary abodes. The people of Spain were preserved from this by the French army, for which the Jews cursed the French army, and the same army put an end to those bonds, by means of which pious Protestants hoped to be able to get at the convents in Spain, and thereby put down idolatry in that country. These bonds seem now not to be worth a farthing, and so, after all, the Spanish people will have no one licensed by the Jews to make them pay for turning the fat of their sheep into candles and soap. These poor creatures that I behold here pass their lives amidst flocks of sheep, but never does a morsel of mutton enter their lips." A labouring man told me at Binley that he had not tasted meat since harvest, and his looks vouched for the statement. Let the Spaniards come and look at this poor shotten herring of a creature, and then let them estimate what is due to a set of enlightening and loan-making patriots. Old Fortescue says that the English are clothed in good woollens throughout, and that they have plenty of flesh of all sorts to eat. Yes, but at this time the nation was not mortgaged. The enlightening patriots would have made Spain what England now is. The people must never more, after a few years, have tasted mutton, though living surrounded with flocks of sheep. 
Easton near Winchester, Wednesday evening, 9th November. I intended to go from Uphusband to Stonehenge, thence to Old Sarum, and thence through the New Forest, to Southampton and Botley, and thence across into Sussex, to see Up Park and Cowdery House. But then there must be no loss of time. I must adhere to a certain route as strictly as a regiment on a march. I had written the route, and Laverstock, after seeing Stonehenge and Old Sarum, was to be the resting-place of yesterday, Tuesday. But when it came it brought rain with it, after a white frost on Monday. It was likely to rain again to-day. It became necessary to change the route, as I must get to London by a certain day, and as the first day on the new route brought us here. I had been three times at Uphusband before, and had, as my readers will perhaps recollect, described the burn here, or the brook. It has in general no water at all in it from August to March. There is the bed of a little river, but no water. In March or thereabouts, the water begins to boil up in thousands upon thousands of places, in the little narrow meadows just above the village, that is to say a little higher up the valley. When the chalk hills are full, when the chalk will hold no more water, then it comes out at the lowest spots near these immense hills, and becomes a rivulet first, and then a river. But until this visit to Uphusband, or Hurstbourne Tarrant, as the map calls it, little did I imagine that this rivulet, dry half the year, was the head of the river Test, which, after passing through Stockbridge and Rumsey, falls into the sea near Southampton. We had to follow the bed of this river to Bourne, but there the water begins to appear, and it runs all the year long about a mile lower down. Here it crosses Lord Portsmouth's out-park, and our road took us the same way to the village called Downhusband, the scene, as the broadsheet tells us, of so many of that noble lord's ringing and cart-driving exploits. Here we crossed the London and Andover road, and leaving Andover to our right and Whitchurch to our left, we came on to Long Parish, where crossing the water, we came up again on that high country which continues all across to Winchester. After passing Bullington, Sutton and Wonston, we veered away from Stoke Charity, and came across the fields to the high down, whence you see Winchester, or rather the cathedral, for at this distance you can distinguish nothing else clearly. As we had to come to this place, which is three miles up the river Itchen from Winchester, we crossed the Winchester and Basingstoke road at Kingsworthy. This brought us, before we crossed the river, along through Martyrsworthy, so long the seat of the Ogles, and now, as I observed in my last register, sold to a general or colonel. These Ogles had been deans, I believe, or prebends, or something of that sort, and the one that used to live here had been, and was when he died, an admiral. However, this last one, Sir Charles, the loyal address-mover, is my man for the present. We saw, down by the waterside, opposite to Sir Charles's late family mansion, a beautiful strawberry garden, capable of being watered by a branch of the itchen which comes close by it, and which is, I suppose, brought there on purpose. Just by, on the greensward, under the shade of very fine trees, is an alcove wherein to sit to eat the strawberries, coming from the little garden just mentioned, and met by bowls of cream coming from a little milk-house, shaded by another clump a little lower down the stream. What delight! What a terrestrial paradise! Sir Charles might be very frequently in this paradise, while that Sidmouth, whose bill he so applauded, had many men shut up in loathsome dungeons. Ah, well! Sir Charles, those very men may, perhaps at this moment, envy neither you nor Sidmouth, no, nor Sidmouth's son and heir, even though clerk of the Pells. At any rate it is not likely that Sir Charles, 
will sit again in this paradise contemplating another loyal address to carry to a county meeting ready engrossed on parchment to be presented by fleming and supported by lockhart and the hampshire parsons i think i saw as i came along the new owner of the estate it seems that he bought it stock and fluke as the sailors call it that is to say that he bought movables and the whole he appeared to me to be a keen man i can't find out where he comes from or what he or his father has been i like to see the revolution going on but i like to be able to trace the parties a little more closely sir charles the loyal addressed gentleman lives in london i hear i will i think call upon him if i can find him out when i get back and ask how he does now there is one hollist a george hollist who figured pretty bigly on that same loyal address day this man is become quite an inoffensive harmless creature if we were to have another county meeting he would not i think threaten to put the sash down upon anybody's head oh peel 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 thy bill o oh, peel did sicken them so let us o oh, thou offspring of the great spinning jenny promoter who subscribed ten thousand pounds towards the late glorious war who was after that made a baronet and whose biographers in the baronetage tell the world that he had a presentiment that he should be the founder of a family o thou thou great peel do thou let us have only two more years of thy bill or o great peel minister of the interior do thou let us have repeal of corn bill either will do great peel we shall then see such modest squires and parsons looking so queer however if thou wilt not listen to us great peel we must perhaps and only perhaps wait a little longer it is sure to come at last and to come too in the most efficient way the water in the itchen is they say famed for its clearness as i was crossing the river the other day at avington i told richard to look at it and i asked him if he did not think it very clear i now find that this has been remarked by very ancient writers i see in a newspaper just received an account of dreadful fires in new brunswick it is curious that in my register of the twenty ninth october dated from chilworth in surrey i should have put a question relative to the white clover the huckleberries or the raspberries which start up after the burning down of woods in america these fires have been at two places which i saw when there were hardly any people in the whole country and if there never had been any people there to this day it would have been a good thing for england those colonies are a dead expense without a possibility of their ever being of any use there are i see a church and a barrack destroyed and why a barrack what were there bayonets wanted already to keep the people in order for as to an enemy where was he to come from and if there really be an enemy anywhere thereabout would it not be a wise way to leave the worthless country to him to use it after his own way i was at that very fredericton where they say thirty houses and thirty-nine barns have now been burnt i can remember when there was no more thought of there ever being a barn there than there is now thought of there being economy in our government the english money used to be spent prettily in that country what do we want with armies and barracks and chaplains in those woods what does anybody want with them but we above all the rest of the world there's nothing there no house no barrack no wharf nothing but what is bought with taxes raised on the half-starving people of england what do we want with these wildernesses ah but they are wanted by creatures who will not work in england and whom this fine system of ours sends out into those woods to live in idleness upon the fruit of english labour the soldier the commissary the barrack-master all the whole tribe no matter under what name what keeps them they are paid by government and i wish that we constantly bore in mind that the government pays our money 
it is to be sure sorrowful to hear of such fires and such dreadful effects proceeding from them but to me it is beyond all measure more sorrowful to see the labourers of england worse fed than the convicts in the jails and i know very well that these worthless and jobbing colonies have assisted to bring england into this horrible state the honest labouring man is allowed ay by the magistrates less food than the felon in the jail and the felon is clothed and has fuel and the labouring man has nothing allowed for these these worthless colonies which find places for people that the thing provides for have helped to produce this dreadful state in england therefore any assistance the sufferers should never have from me while i could find an honest and industrious english labourer unloaded with a family too fed worse than a felon in the jails and this i can find in every part of the country petersfield friday evening eleventh november we lost another day at easton the whole of yesterday it having rained the whole day so that we could not have come an inch but in the wet we started therefore this morning coming through the duke of buckingham's park at avington which is close by easton and on the same side of the itchen this is a very beautiful place the house is close down at the edge of the meadow-land there is a lawn before it and a pond supplied by the itchen at the end of the lawn and bounded by the park on the other side the high road through the park goes very near to this water and we saw thousands of wild ducks in the pond or sitting round on the green edges of it while on one side of the pond the hares and pheasants were moving about upon a gravel walk on the side of a very fine plantation we looked down upon all this from a rising ground and the water like a looking-glass showed us the trees and even the animals this is certainly one of the very prettiest spots in the world the wild waterfowl seem to take particular delight in this place there are a great many at lord carnarvon's but there the water is much larger and the ground and wood about it comparatively rude and coarse here at avington everything is in such beautiful order the lawn before the house is of the finest green and most neatly kept and the edge of the pond which is of several acres is as smooth as if it formed part of a bowling green to see so many wild fowl in a situation where everything is in the parterre order has a most pleasant effect on the mind and richard and i like pope's cock in the farmyard could not help thanking the duke and duchess for having generously made such ample provision for our pleasure and that too merely to please us as we were passing along now this is the advantage of going about on horseback on foot the fatigue is too great and you go too slowly in any sort of carriage you cannot get into the real country places to travel in stage-coaches is to be hurried along by force in a box with an air-hole in it and constantly exposed to broken limbs the danger being much greater than that of shipboard and the noise much more disagreeable while the company is frequently not a great deal more to one's liking from this beautiful spot we had to mount gradually the downs to the southward but it is impossible to quit the vale of the itchen without one more look back at it to form a just estimate of its real value and that of the lands near it it is only necessary to know that from its source at bishop sutton this river has on its two banks in the distance of nine miles before it reaches winchester thirteen parish churches there must have been some people to erect these churches it is not true then that pitt and george the third created the english nation notwithstanding all that the scotch philosophers are ready to swear about the matter in short there can be no doubt in the mind of any rational man that in the time of the plantagenets england was out of all comparison more populous than it is now 
when we began to get up towards the downs we to our great surprise saw them covered with snow sad times coming on for poor sir glory said i to richard why said dick it was too cold to talk much and besides a great sluggishness in his horse made us both rather serious the horse had been too hard ridden at berkeley and had got cold this made us change our route again and instead of going over the downs towards hambledon in our way to see the park and the innumerable hares and pheasants of sir harry featherstone we pulled away more to the left to go through bramdean and so on to petersfield contracting greatly our intended circuit and besides i had never seen bramdean the spot on which it is said alfred fought his last great and glorious battle with the danes a fine country for a battle sure enough we stopped at the village to bait our horses and while we were in the public-house an exciseman came and rummaged it all over taking an account of the various sorts of liquor in it having the air of a complete master of the premises while a very pretty and modest girl waited on him to produce the diverse bottles jars and kegs i wonder whether alfred had a thought of anything like this when he was clearing england from her oppressors a little to our right as we came along we left the village of kingston where squire graham once lived as was before related here too lived a squire ridge a famous fox-hunter at a great mansion now used as a farmhouse and it is curious enough that this squire's son-in-law one gunner an attorney at bishop's waltham is steward to the man who now owns the estate before we got to petersfield we called at an old friend's and got some bread and cheese and small beer which we preferred to strong in approaching petersfield we began to descend from the high chalk country which with the exception of the valleys of the itchen and the test had lasted us from uphusband almost the north-west point of the county to this place which is not far from the south-east point of it here we quit flint and chalk and downs and take to sand clay hedges and coppices and here on the verge of hampshire we begin again to see those endless little bubble-formed hills that we before saw round the foot of hindhead we have got in in very good time and got at the dolphin good stabling for our horses the waiters and people at inns look so hard at us to see us so liberal as to horse-feed fire candle beds and room while we are so very very sparing in the article of drink they seem to pity our taste i hear people complain of the exorbitant charges at inns but my wonder always is how the people can live with charging so little except in one single instance i have uniformly since i have been from home thought the charges too low for people to live by this long evening has given me time to look at the star newspaper of last night and i see that with all possible desire to disguise the fact there is a great panic brewing it is impossible that this thing can go on in its present way for any length of time the talk about speculations that is to say adventurous dealings or rather commercial gamblings the talk about these having been the cause of the breakings and the other symptoms of approaching convulsion is the most miserable nonsense that ever was conceived in the heads of idiots these are effect not cause the cause is the small note bill that last brilliant effort of the joint mind of van and castlereagh that bill was as i always called it a respite and it was and could be nothing more it could only put off the evil hour it could not prevent the final arrival of that hour to have proceeded with peel's bill was indeed to produce total convulsion the land must have been surrendered to the overseers for the use of the poor that is to say without an equitable adjustment but that adjustment as prayed for by kent norfolk hereford and surrey 
might have taken place. It ought to have taken place. And it must at last take place, or convulsion must come. As to the nature of this adjustment, is it not most distinctly described in the Norfolk petition? Is not that memorable petition now in the journals of the House of Commons? What more is wanted than to act on the prayer of that very petition? Had I to draw up a petition again, I would not change a single word of that. It pleased Mr. Brougham's best public instructor to abuse that petition, and it pleased Daddy Coke, and the Hickory Quaker Gurney, and the wise barn orator to calumniate its author. They succeeded, but their success was but shame to them, and that author is yet destined to triumph over them. I have seen no London paper for ten days until to-day, and I should not have seen this if the waiter had not forced it upon me. I know very nearly what will happen by next May, or thereabouts, and as to the manner in which things will work in the meanwhile, it is a far less consequence to the nation than it is what sort of weather I shall have to ride in to-morrow. One thing, however, I wish to observe, and that is that, if any attempt be made to repeal the corn-bill, the main body of the farmers will be crushed into total ruin. I come into contact with few who are not gentlemen or very substantial farmers, but I know the state of the whole, and I know that even with present prices, and with honest labourers fed worse than felons, it is rub and go with nineteen-twentieths of the farmers, and of this fact I beseech the ministers to be well aware, and with this fact staring them in the face, with that other horrid fact that, by the regulations of the magistrates, who cannot avoid it, mind, the honest labourers fed worse than the convicted felon, with the breakings of merchants so ruinous to confiding foreigners, so disgraceful to the name of England, with the thousands of industrious and caretaking creatures reduced to beggary by bank-paper, with panic upon panic plunging thousands upon thousands into despair, with all this notorious as the sun at noonday, will they again advise their royal master to tell the Parliament and the world that this country is in a state of unequalled prosperity, and that this prosperity must be permanent, because all the great interests are flourishing. Let them! That will not alter the result. I had been for several weeks saying that the seeming prosperity was fallacious, that the cause of it must lead to ultimate and shocking ruin, that it could not last, because it arose from causes so manifestly fictitious, that, in short, it was the fair-looking but poisonous fruit of a miserable expedient. I had been saying this for several weeks when out came the King's speech, and gave me and my doctrines the lie direct as to every point. Well, now then, we shall soon see. End of chapter 19